electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Meta misses. Big dreams in the virtual world, big risks in the real one. Facebook has been able to go out and buy something that they couldn't build themselves. They bought Instagram. They can't buy anything. Nobody will let them buy anything, so they have to build it themselves. Zuckerberg defends his apps, but many of his shareholders just don't get it. You need to explain Reels to me, too. You don't use Reels. You don't use Instagram or TikTok. I don't use Facebook, Andrew. I love MySpace. And Congressman Kevin Brady, Texas Republican, lays out the GOP plan for a midterm shift in power. You're going to see a focus on less government spending, taxes and regulation that fuel inflation and uh, more workers, more energy, more innovation that can help drive inflation down. Credit Suisse turning the page from scandal, wire fraud, money laundering, the mafia. CNBC's Jeff Cutmore in Europe with the bank's overhaul. This is the kind of work that you want to do when times are good and the sun is shining, but we know that the macro environment is deteriorating. Plus, Elon Musk says he's ready for Twitter. Let that sink in. But any bathroom porcelain devices is a weird thing to show up with. It's Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Meta Third Quarter Earnings Conference Call. Joining me today to discuss our results, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining today. I have to say that our product trends look better from what I see than some of the commentary I've seen suggest. There's been a bunch of speculation about engagement on our apps, and what we're seeing is more positive. Let's talk about those shares of Facebook parent meta platforms. They are plunging right now. The company earned $1.64 per share in the third quarter. It missed expectations of $1.89. Revenue beat estimates on one end of things. Daily active users of $1.98 billion met expectations. Average, though, revenue per user, that's where things came in a little bit worse. I should say more than worse. Disappointing. Coming in at $9.41. It's $0.42 below estimates. And the company's fourth quarter revenue forecast, weaker than expected. The stock now trading at its lowest level since March of 2016. It's like going back in a time machine. Uh, Perhaps you might look at that and think it's on sale. You might not. We'll see. The company's big bet on the metaverse hasn't paid off yet, uh, though, In truth, it wasn't supposed to pay off yet either. The Reality Labs unit, which houses the virtual reality headset and metaverse business, lost $3.67 billion, bringing the unit's year-to-date losses to $9.4 billion. The company said it expects that unit's operating losses to actually grow significantly in 2023. I thought they were supposed to be at at 500,000 users, and there are 200,000. Correct. They're, they're, they're too low on the user count, there's no question. But, but then that, it hasn't paid off. It, it but it wasn't, wasn't, it's supposed to have paid off a little bit by now. No, no, it was, it was, by this other was metrics. a, it's not, it this was a money-losing exercise. No, no I'm talking, but, but 200 is not 500. 200 is not 500. 200 is not 500. Right. 
And so, you know, it's going to take some time to get to get this thing off the ground or not. And we'll see. Look, I, here, here's how I kind of look at it. This is a situation where in the past, Facebook has been able to go out and buy something that they couldn't build themselves. They bought Instagram. Now they're trying to, they can't buy anything. Nobody will let them buy anything, so they have to build it themselves. It's very expensive. You don't know if it's going to work. It's not the same as saying, Instagram's really hot. I'm going to go buy it, and I'm going to spend this amount of money on it. They've lost over $9.5 billion for, for just this year so yep. far on what they've invested in that. When you start mm -hmm. talking about that kind of investment, again, you get it if you're going to go make a very expensive acquisition. But again, that's for a tested thing that's already working. The numbers were kind of scary. The one number that is just amazing is $27 billion in revenue. It's an unbelievable company. Yep. Yeah. It really is. It's just, it has to grow. And it had a market cap that was assuming a lot of growth. And now the market cap has really come down to earth where... Even I thought, looking at it, I made the point you yesterday, well, Meta's down 60%. Is it really not a buy? It wasn't, I guess, uh, as, as it goes lower. But the, what they're spending on that, did you see they got, like, their revenue was $270 million and it, the, no, it's but they lost $3 billion? But that was, I'm I not worried about the money okay. losing part of it. In, I mean, not worried about it. Yes, it would be very interesting to see what the investment community would think if they basically shut the Metaverse effort project completely and what that stock, where that stock would trade. It might trade higher, but maybe marginally higher. But the question is, what's happening And then are you running the company business? for, and then, and then is it a growth company anymore? And what's the future of the company? But, so they have to do something. They're not in an environment, by the way, you talk about acquisitions, they can't buy anything. They can't buy anything, that's just so, it. Just and that's not, that's not in the cards. So by the way, I give them some semblance of credit for trying to build something. This is a ambitious, possibly crazy effort that will or will not pay off, but may take as we've talked about for so long, it's going to take a very long time to work. But you're talking about CapEx numbers that are more similar to what you would see, or at least approaching what you would see if you were, you know, a Verizon or an AT&T or a Union Pacific. Right, and I think or, the, and, and that I you're, think, talk, you're no longer talking about a tech company that's got massive well, margins. Well, I think that Mark Zuckerberg's view money. is if you're trying to create another Facebook, if you're no, trying I, to create a $160 billion dollar company, that's my point. the only it's, way to do it is actually to invest as if you are that. Yes, but that my point is that they can't buy anything anymore. They used to buy their way out of these troubles. When Facebook slowed down, they bought Instagram. When you had competition coming from TikTok, they came up with Reels, which I, I don't think has I been need a to, huge You need success. to explain Reels to me, too, because they can't make it. They're not making any money on it. They're making a lot of progress, but it's hard to monitize because of advertising. You don't use Reels. I, I don't use TikTok. You don't use Instagram or I TikTok. I don't use Facebook, Andrew. I, I love so MySpace. The conundrum with Reels, which is also, I would argue, similar to TikTok, except they have more volume, which is why it works right. for them, is you're basically uh, swiping between lots of videos, little short videos. Like and as a result, the experience doesn't really work with the same kind of ad load. So you, same kind of you ad can't, load. You okay, can't so you have ads running between Targeted every ads. I don't think this other. is a coincidence because we're all saying what the hell is the metaverse so hello hello direct okay I don't think this is is, is a coinky dink and that appeals to me that's a great idea if right. surgeons could practice hundreds you know what yep. I mean before they open you up if right. they've already done this in the metaverse hundreds of times that's a great use so not, so in that regard and I don't think it's a coincidence they put it in there because everyone in today. the world saying what the hell is yeah today, today. what the hell is this metaverse ever going to be well that that's one 
But that's also the type of thing that we used to hear from IBM pretty frequently with Jenny Rometty. Like it, and it, it has it developed well, yet? We've, we've don't also you think heard that, that with Microsoft. See, I, I have trouble thinking we're all going to be sitting around not wanting to go to Paris just because. But no, you but, can, but that's I, I, why there was. Haven't I heard this from Microsoft for about five years? So Microsoft with the Tower Lens, yeah. um, you know, Magic Leap was another one of these efforts where there was billions of dollars poured in. And by the way, um, I think Microsoft is Peggy Johnson actually from, from, from Microsoft, if you remember, left from and then went to run, to, run, to run Magic Leap. Microsoft's efforts are much more focused on business. the enterprise. Yeah, business. And they're, tr they're trying to that makes use sense. it for training and all sorts of other things. And, in different and by instances. the way, businesses are willing to invest on things but the, like that. But the point may very well training. be that, that this device and what they're doing, I do think, is sort of next level if they ever get there. You have to get there. They may therefore be in the enterprise business. They may be in the consumer. I mean, but my that's point where is, other companies is. are already there and working with companies to do some of these very. Well, things. we're at 103. But so. I think the tech. I honestly think that the technology where they are, and where they're going, at least at this rate, it's especially given Microsoft? how much they're spending. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. We're going to get it, to, uh, to Musk. First thing I wanted to say, though, before we do that, is you, do you bring your sink with you? Uh, it's no. Before we get that, it's Thursday. Do you yeah. remember what happened a week ago? A week ago, no. I don't remember I don't what happened. Remember. All right, I'm going to tell you what happened. What happened a week ago was they abandoned over there. They abandoned the tax cuts, and the futures oh, went yes. up okay. in the morning. Okay. And then we said, "Wow, that, that seems like that ago? seems like that <laughs> seems like a re weird reason to go up." Then the market opened and went down 800 points, or 500 points, or 300. By the end of the day, it that was, was the inflation number. I thought. That was the inflation number yeah, that okay. hit it after it had been up. Then okay. the inflation number came, but then it ended the day higher. And, the, and I think the S and P got to like thirty-five, almost thirty-six. Thirty? No, got down below thirty-six, yeah. or, or close to it. Down in the mid thirty-sixes. Did you see it today? So it's like three hundred points almost in a week. Why did the market go up? To this point. Well, we had strong earnings last week. Yeah, but there's other things going on, I think. Did you see that? Do you want to have a politics conversation? That's what we're going to do. Because I think Clifton. you could argue that the Dr. Oz, Fetterman I think you um, could, too. That's where I was going with this. What swings is, the Senate. Could swing, could swing the Senate. And then the question is, is what the mar does the market in this case like a, uh, a sort of stalemate mixed government? <laughs> oh, right. is that what it is? <laughs> well, what else would it be? To stop the, we've seen two years of, of what two we've years got. Of what though? It's like the cavalry. The cavalry's coming. Help us! Help us! Help you! Help you what? Help you do <laughs> help what? Us what stop this! What, stop what the it, pain! What is it the GDP? Stop the pain! But what is no, it the GDP? I'm not going to get into it. But the other thing is the uh, the yield. We could that's, have a three-handle. Look at the yield. We the, could have a three-handle on the ten-year. Ten-year is back below 4.1 percent. If it gets below, if it gets a three-handle, we're all going to go. <gasps> yes. By the way, if that's true, that has nothing to do with... We're going to have... If, to, okay, gets, you know what? If it gets a three-handle, that has nothing to do with what happened in Pennsylvania. Well, um, well it's, it's what's going to happen it, with the global into, recession. But let's say the worst-case scenario does happen, and Republicans do take uh, the House and the Senate. That's, he's not the worst-case scenario. All, all right. Like, renewable stocks have already been hurt since, and you know, in the last... Since it switched about three weeks ago. And it's a pretty significant switch. It went from 30, 70 to 70-30. Well, and you heard what GE said already about its renewables division and the problems it's had since the yeah. tax credits expired. So. We'll talk about your sink now. Is he throwing everything into the, in the That was my question. Is this it? a kitchen sink? A, a billionaire Elon Musk walked into Twitter San Francisco office uh, with a, it must have been heavy. Porcelain's very heavy. I think it's it was a, a toilet. There, it was more of this. It's the, he had a meme about uh, I know. Let, let, let that sink, sink in. in. Um, yeah, what was <laughs> 
It's better than a toilet, because that would have been, I'm going to take this company right into the toilet if he had done that. So it wasn't. But any bathroom porcelain devices is a right. weird thing to show up with. Uh, reports say that, <laughs> that, that uh, staff in the office got a brief heads up about the visit and were told that they would hear directly from Musk on Friday. Earlier in the day, Musk changed his description on his Twitter bio to Chief Twit. Right. So now that's taken. And then, by the way, you, you're missing the other tweet. The good tweet, the, the nice tweet, was that he met some cool people at Twitter. Because when that, when that first came around yesterday, because right. I, I talked to various people at Twitter, there were people freaking out. I mean, there was like, there was like a panic attack happening because he was showing up at the sink. They didn't understand what was happening. Anyway, then he wrote a very nice note afterwards. So well, just well, adding to the, to the mix. It should be nice for the company that you are going to own. Right. Like, <laughs> And he, yes. yeah, you probably he was nice to like 30% of the people he met because the other 70 is not going well, to have to worry a, about that's, I think, Musk, uh, I think that's why people were scared when they saw Maybe all the people from CNN and Twitter can start a company or something. I don't know. CNN is supposedly going to have some. CNN uh, Plus. You mean. No, CNN oh, too. CNN too. Um, I don't know. That's just the, the rumor that there may be some, um, some bloodletting there too. Musk has until 5 p.m. Eastern uh, tomorrow. It's in the post today. I, you know, I wouldn't throw, uh, throw stones at glass houses. No, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm there before the grace of God. We got, that's not for whom the bell tolls. I know all those things. But I can take a little satisfaction in maybe certain uh, entities. Uh, completing his deal to buy the company or again face the proposition of going to trial. The Wall Street Journal reports that banks have started to send 15, $13 billion in cash to back Musk's takeover of Twitter, the latest sign that the $44 billion deal is nearing its uh, completion. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, counting down to midterm election day. The Ways and Means Committee's Republican leader, Kevin Brady, on what happens if his party wins the House. I'd rather be us right now. You always want to go into an election with momentum. That's what's What would Republicans right do about inflation? The opposite uh, would be <laughs> the short answer. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Up and Andrew, Q. Welcome back to Squawk. The Biden administration set to go on the offensive to try and reframe the Democrats' economic message to voters with less than just two weeks until the midterm elections. The president and some of his top officials canvassing the country today to regain momentum for the party in a bid to try to hold on to power in Congress. Elon Moy joins us now with the White House's strategy. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. The president will attempt to sharpen Democrats' economic pitch today as the White House goes into full campaign mode with the midterms just around the corner. Let's go, go! Let's go, go! It's a choice. 
between two vastly different visions for America, significantly different. Democrats are building a better America for everyone, with an economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out, where everyone does well. Republicans are doubling down on their mega mega trickle-down economics that benefits the very wealthy, failed the country before, and will fail it again if they would. His goal is to contrast his party's plan to build the economy from the bottom up and the middle out with what he's calling Republicans' mega-maga trickle-down economics. Okay, so what does that exactly mean? Senior White House officials said that Biden will highlight Democrats' work to bring down costs on prescription drugs, health care, gas prices, and student loan debt. He'll deliver his speech in Syracuse, where Micron has announced a 20-year, $100 billion investment in chips that's projected to create 50,000 jobs. And that theme of lower prices and domestic investment in manufacturing will be echoed by his top lieutenants across the country today. Treasury Secretary Yellen in Ohio, Commerce Secretary Raimondo in Maryland, HHS Secretary Becerra in Texas. But Biden is also expected to attack Republicans as pushing to extend tax cuts for the wealthy and threatening to cut Social Security and to cut Medicare. Recent polls show the economy is now front and center for voters, and that has tilted the playing field toward Republicans. The latest analysis from 538 shows GOP support at 50, uh, 45, excuse me, 0.3 percent, compared to 44.9 percent for Democrats. That's less than half a percentage point between them. So there's not much time left for Democrats to get their message through to voters. But of course, they're betting that even the slightest move in that needle could make a difference. Guys. Just weeks away from the midterm election where Republicans are confident at this point they're going to take back the House. Our next guest has had a long career on Capitol Hill, 13 terms to be exact. Uh, this being his final uh, term joining us now to talk midterms, recession uh, and more. Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, he's the lead Republican on the House uh, Ways and Means Committee. I don't know what uh, numbers really to look at. All the polls are depending on, on who the pollster is. You, yeah, get, yeah. you get some different numbers. Some interesting races. Uh, the governor's race here in New York is, is getting yeah, even uh, kind of interesting. What, the big issues, inflation, uh, crime. Yeah. yeah. For us, obviously, inflation, crime, bordered economy is just front and center. And, and there's good reason for it. I think the uh, Dallas Fed pointed out half workers have seen a real net pay cut and on average almost 9%. So, you know, that's a month worth uh, of lost wages. That's huge, you know, on families. Crime obviously big, uh, especially in a lot of major cities. And Texas border issues, security really driving it home. We're gonna see real gains among Hispanics, especially in border states like ours, because their communities are paying a, a pretty steep price. The, uh, the RCP averages, things like that. The, the house looks like just from the safe seats the seats that are up for grabs and the leaning, looks like there's going to be a, a, a GOP win there. I don't know whether yeah. it's, I don't know it's whether it's plus 20 or plus, I don't know how much, but yeah, the Senate, you could not, it's as divided as it is right now. Yeah, it's really close to the Senate. 46, 46, and then there's ease in the middle, yeah. two are leaning this way, two that way, three, it, it, it comes out to almost exactly, fit. what do you think finally happens? You think it breaks? You more? know, you know, my, uh, uh, my guess is we end up with the coming down to that runoff in Georgia again so oh, sort of a no. replay of two years ago which i'm sure the people of georgia very excited about you know another uh, extra month or so of that but yeah i think but i'd rather be us right now the moment you always want to go into an election with momentum that's what's what happening would republicans right now. do about inflation yeah. yeah so the opposite 
uh, would be <laughs> the short answer. So you're going to see a focus. That's assuming that, that something Biden did is that yeah. caused it in the first yeah, place. So right. in the commitment to America, sort of what's our agenda in the House? You're going to see our four pillars, a nation uh, that's strong, uh, or an economy strong, a nation that's safe, uh, a future built on freedom, and a government that's accountable. So you're going to see a focus on less um, government spending, taxes, and regulation that fuel inflation, and uh, more workers, more energy, uh, more innovation that can help drive inflation down. How do you think, though, about the sh what seems like a shift in terms of the relationship between the GOP and the business community, which is what we talk about all the time, and sort of a more outspoken uh, and conflicting relationship than there used to be? There is. I think there's more tension. I think it's all along the cultural issues for the most part. What I know, uh, especially in tax reform, when we align on economic issues, like working families benefit from that. We saw that after tax reform in a major way. That's where uh, I wish the space were focused on because I think we created more opportunities. You know, culturally and socially, with a strong economy, we lifted six million people out of poverty. You know, income inequality began to shrink for the first time in a half a century. So we accomplished household income, just soared. So I think we together did create some real societal opportunities, not that the government created, but the free enterprise. But, but, but the reason I mentioned is also way. you're seeing not you're seeing not just certain red state governors and other things speak out against certain corporations. Sometimes who are in their own home state, and I'm thinking of you know Disney, yeah, and yeah. Florida, and and, yeah. and some of the stuff going on in Texas. But you're seeing pension funds, treasurers of certain states pulling money from certain funds. I mean, it, it's 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 interesting because for a very long time, you could argue actually progressive the the liberal progressive blue states were the ones who were using those pension funds to influence certain outcomes, and the red states never did that because part of the argument was that was a tactic that we hated, right? I mean, when I say we, I mean yeah. the GOP about, was hating. This is about drilling for energy. This isn't about, yeah, and I'll tell you, about no, voting rights or, or, just or, about or energy. gender it's a, or, or I think it's like, not just about energy. It's about a, a, a lot well, of different... The ones that you're talking about are... are I mean, energy is a big, tech, big In Texas, obviously, standing by and watching, watching hedge funds, the government just step on the hose of financing for oil and gas, it's hard to sit there and watch. I want to ask you one other thing. If you watch so, Fox yeah, News, you, you watch Fox, you see infrared images of people crossing. I mean, you think there's yeah. 50,000 people coming in every day. We also have uh, individuals that think that, that inflation, one of the components is we don't have enough workers. If Republicans get elected, can you get a decent immigration policy where we, we let legal people yeah. in that we need <clears throat> and, and, yeah. and make sure that we don't get overwhelmed by, uh, you know, certain cities are absolutely overwhelmed by illegal immigration. Yeah, well, there's no question we're going to need more workers. For, for, that was a problem before COVID, even more so now. But, you know, I think you've got to shut that back door of illegal immigration to give you the space to on immigration reform but and, and what, all that. Why has so. immigration reform taken so long? It seems like, Neither reasonable, people, it seems like reasonable people could sit down and work out yeah, I think an excuse. How come Congress yeah, can't? I think you can. And you know, in the summer of 2018, something happened in the House that got almost no coverage, but it should have, which is twice House Republicans brought a bill to the floor and a majority Republican support, a bill that shut that back door on border security, reformed the front door, which was broken, created a legal path status for the dreamers, sort of that balance between security and, and that path going forward. Uh, the bill didn't make it out of the House, but the point was the balanced solution was offered up. I still think uh, 
once you've got confidence that, that uh, we've secured the well, border. Well, if you put that forward, let's say you win the Senate and the House. If you put something forward, do you think you could get President Biden to sign? Or you would say no because it's put forth by Republicans? Well, I think he'll say no because he has no interest in securing the border. And that's, that's what we're seeing, this overwhelming two years record levels. It's just overwhelming, the whole system. Why would so, someone not have an interest in securing the border? Well, so you think far, it's really yes. important. You think undocumented Democrats? Is that I, the? I, I think. Do they over time hope that they will get citizenship and voting rights? Probably so. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only solution will be a perhaps a status uh, legal uh, path to legal status. Kevin, very quickly, just looking at the 2008 bill um, on immigration, Donald Trump supported it, but a lot he of did. House Republicans didn't even vote for it. Yeah, not all, but a majority did, and the president was making calls for us on behalf of the bill, all Democrats voted why, against Why it. did some of the Republicans not vote for it? Well, it was, look, immigration's hard to do, and it's More Democrats voted against this? Zero. Yeah, zero. So no Democrats. It's gonna, Democrats. It's gonna require totally bipartisan. But you're complaining but they, about the Republicans. Well, they couldn't even get the Republicans on board. <laughs> they couldn't get the Republicans What's the, on board. Why is this yeah, so hard? Yeah, think about this. this why was, is this it so didn't just end catch, catch and release. It did family reunification uh, issues, which Democrats like. Uh, it reformed, so it wasn't just who you know, to get you in the country is what skills you bring. So good, smart steps that way. So not a perfect bill, but and it got real political real fast. But people forget there was the first real effort to find that balance. Neither that. side will vote with the other. That's kind of where we are. You know, I think there's a desire to, to solve this issue I really, and, and do it right. Because I don't know what else we do about uh, inflation. It's, I don't know. I'd well, I, I, I will tell you, it is. You want to open up, you want to drill more, I guess. Well, no, I mean, look, um, in, in 2018, 2019, uh, we saw dramatic wage growth without inflation. Right. So economic growth without, like, well, paychecks went up twice as fast. We know everything. Prices, yeah. so. All right, Congressman. Good to see you. Next on Squawk Pod, a sweeping overhaul at one of Europe's largest lenders. Credit Suisse has been the banker for a rogues gallery of money launderers, corporate spies and tax evaders, which led to a client collapse and the need for drastic change inside. Our own Jeff Cutmore is in London, where he got the story of the new and smaller Credit Suisse from the company's CEO. If you are planning on firing thousands of employees, how do you get excited employees getting up every day and going to work? on behalf of the bank. There are plenty of rivals out there that will offer you a similar or better client experience. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Credit Swiss shares plunging after the bank posted a huge third quarter loss, announcing a major strategic overhaul. CBC's Jeff Cutmore spoke to the CEO earlier this morning. He joins us now with more. Jeff. A lot going on, and we've been uh, focused on this date for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. We've been waiting a long time to get this restructuring announcement. Uh, Ulrich Kerner came into the bank just a few months ago with a reputation for wielding the knife, and this is the result. 
So the major announcement ultimately means a 15% cut in the cost base. They're going to raise $4 billion from strategic investors and also uh, through a rights issue here. And one of the investors that's been named is the Saudi National Bank, and they will bring $1.5 billion to the table. On top of that, we get the split up of the investment bank. It'll go off and become a markets business to service their own clients, but there will also be a freestanding Credit Suisse First Boston business that will be a, a standalone, and they're hoping to bring third-party clients into that. An American Michael Klein will run that business, and interesting to see the First Boston name being reprised First, of course, came onto the scene back in 1988, where Credit Suisse and First Boston came together. So there's quite a lot going on here. The question is, is this Saudi bank the right partner for this Swiss business going forward? And is this the right restructuring strategy? Questions that I put to the CEO, Ulrich Kerner. Number one, you know, a radical restructuring of the investment bank. Number two, a significant reduction of costs, and number three, and further strengthening of our capital base. And I think with that, we have all the necessary ingredients, so to say, together to go where we want to go. Arguably, I would think at least one of the strongest growth regions over the next 10 years. We are in the region with our businesses like more than 60 years. And, uh, you know, we, feel, we felt very much supported by, you know, this new shelter coming in and you know, believing and supporting our transformation going forward. The trouble is, um, Andrew, as you very well know here, this is the kind of work that you want to do when times are good and the sun is shining. But we know that the macro environment is deteriorating very rapidly and it shows up in the third quarter numbers, a $4 billion loss attributable to shareholders at the net level. $13 billion effectively leaving the business and a negative ROTE of about 38%. So there's a lot of problems as far as the business momentum is concerned with this organization. And the share price performance today would suggest that actually shareholders are still a little skeptical as to whether this is the right restructuring program. Uh, but we will have to say clearly the CEO has his uh, work cut out with this one. So 2024 is what the expectation is, or at least that's what their expectation is. The markets don't like that. Was your sense that the markets previously thought that they were going to be able to figure something out that was going to be meaningfully better than this? There's been a lot of speculation running up to this and a lot of um, scenarios being run as to whether they were going to exit the US markets completely and walk away from Wall Street. I did ask uh, Ulrich Kerner about that and whether this spin out into this CS First Boston unit means that the bank is effectively walking away from the markets business, the, the leveraged finance operations, whether they are turning their back, if you like, on the largest and most successful capital markets in the world. He argued not. But it is clear that the bank has taken a decision to run down risk-weighted assets by about 40%. And that means that that is a big lost opportunity if and when we see the so-called pivot and these capital markets come back and a, a, an uptick perhaps in, in activity that would benefit 
and investment banks. So they're going to lose all of that opportunity. Now, I suspect, Andrew, that's perhaps some of the market reaction here, because I think that even as uh, the markets have liked the idea of de-risking and a more stable wealth management and asset management business, at the moment, given the last decade we've had, Credit Suisse can't catch a break on reputational related issues. And I think that is the problem. Do you want to do your wealth management banking with an organization that's had litigation after litigation problem and has had a succession of CEOs with a failed track record of turning around the business? So a lot of pain here, Andrew. And what's the sense of the wealth management clients stick around and feel firewalled from these other issues? Yeah, and there's another issue to throw on top of that. Look, you know how these banks operate. You want your wealth manager, your relationship manager to come to you with a big smile, offering you lots of attractive uh, deals, ways that you can work with the bank to improve not only their uh, fee income, but basically give you a more profitable experience through Credit Suisse. And I, I think the trouble is, if you are planning on firing thousands of employees, which they are planning to get to this two and a half billion cost reduction, how do you get excited employees getting up every day and going to work on behalf of the bank? So that's going to be a big challenge. And I think the trouble is there are plenty of rivals out there like UBS or Deutsche Bank or a whole slew of American banks that will offer you a similar or better client experience now. So, that, so that's a big, big management headache for them, I think. Okay. Jeff Cutmore, thank you. That's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Thoughts? Comments? Want to say hi? Tweet us at Squawk CNBC and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.